Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. In this episode, we talk to Professor Trish Greenhall, Professor of Primary Care Health Sciences at the University of Oxford. We will be discussing uh, the recent paper submitted by herself and their team in the BJGP titled UK Newspapers on the Warpath, a Media Analysis of Remote Consulting in 2021. In their paper, this research team analysed media articles about GP remote consulting during two time points in the COVID pandemic. And I wanted to start by asking you a bit about the emotive language you've used in the title. Do you think that there is a war against GPs? Well, the the emotive language in the title was taken as a quote from one of the newspapers. And so all we're doing is, is saying this is a topic that is addressed in emotive language by the press. So we're not trying to wind, uh, wind anything up. Uh, it's a subject on which the newspapers feel very strongly and there is polarisation. So we've got some who are sympathetic towards GPs in general practice, and we've got others who are uh, very hostile. Uh, and yes, the language used is, is one of the things that we've been studying. And what brought your team to look into this area in the first place? So I've been interested in newspaper coverage of GPs and general practice for some time. Uh, and the BJGP published a paper by one of my then trainees, Ellie Barry, a few years ago, which systematically compared newspaper coverage of general practice with newspaper coverage of hospital medicine. Uh, and she looked about 400 publications in, in the national newspapers. When the, um, when the pandemic hit, we then became interested in how the newspapers were covering general practice, moving towards a remote mode of, uh, a, a remote by default uh, mode of delivering care. And actually, the first in that series, which was led as, as this one was by uh, Gillian Ross, who's a postdoc on my team, um, that demonstrated that newspapers were fairly positive towards GPs, uh, as they jolly well should have been, because I think general practice moved really, really quickly in early March 2020 to shift into a remote mode of consulting. And that actually was one of the uh most rapid and dramatic changes in the organisation and delivery of care since the beginning of the NHS in 1948. So this paper, um, tell us a bit more about what you did in this study specifically. Okay, so in this study, Jilly and uh, Chris Antipapuzzi, who's the third member of the team, uh, took a hundred newspaper articles, so a systematic sample, uh, and looked at the coverage uh, in May and October 2021. And those were two key moments in general practice, because in May, NHS England sent a bit of a nudge saying, please, can you go back to uh, seeing patients face to face? Uh, and then in October 2021, uh, the same message came, but it was much stronger. And uh, the then Secretary of State for Health and Social Care was saying it's, it's face to face by default. The, what we looked at was how the press covered that. There's some positive aspects to it in that, you know, the, the newspaper was saying it's, it's about time we went back to face-to-face -face care, patients quite like face-to-face -face care, et cetera, et cetera. But there was 
a very negative element to it, which was that GPs were once again being depicted as rather lazy and not very competent, particularly over the telephone. Uh, and there was a depiction by most, if not all, uh, sorry, most not all newspapers uh, that really the GPs were still on the golf course and pulling out their mobile phone from time to time to take a telephone call. Uh, and so Gilly and Chrysanthi actually looked through all the newspapers using a, a systematic search, which is described in the paper. And then they went through and did a thematic analysis. And they looked at the words that are being used and the metaphors uh, and how GPs were being depicted. Were they heroes? Were they villains? Were they clowns? You know, all that kind of thing. Um, and I guess one of the key things that I would emphasize, and this goes back to the previous work we did with Ellie Barry, is that this the, the newspaper coverage was very much about depicting this as the fault of the GPs. There was very little emphasis on a system under unprecedented stress. And that, for me, is the big finding of the paper, and it's the big problem, is that we all know there's a workload crisis, we know there's a recruitment and retention crisis, we know there's a retirement time bomb. There, there isn't the staff, particularly in deprived areas, and we also know that uh, GPs are working longer hours and are under huge stress, as indeed are their staff, receptionists, practice nurses, etc., are under stress. And this was not covered by the newspapers. Uh, so, you know, once again, we've demonstrated that the UK press is, broadly speaking, uh, not covering the crisis in general practice in an even-handed way. I don't really understand, or if you came to some sort of understanding of why there was this specific attack on GPs, and why do you think there is such a focus on vilifying GPs? Yeah, do you know, I think it may be because many people don't really understand what GPs do. Um, one of the things that uh, Rebecca Rosen, who, who's from the Nuffield Trust, and, and I'm working with her on a study called Remote by Default, uh, she's got a lovely phrase, general practice is the risk sink of the NHS. Uh, and I was a general practitioner for 25 years, and I know the kind of subtle things that you do in order to contain and monitor risk in uh, a situation of high uncertainty when most people that you see do not have anything life-threatening. So it's what Julian Tudor Hart called doing simple things well for large numbers of people, few of whom feel ill. So that is the nature of general practice. But of course, now, if you look at the way that general practice is depicted in the lay press, uh, that isn't really picked up. Uh, and I think what GPs do is a lot more sophisticated and complex than many people understand to be the case. Uh, and so what you get then is an assumption that GPs' job is actually pretty easy uh, and they're just not showing up for work. Uh, and that's problematic. I think the other thing actually that I need to say is that uh, one of the things that Jilly and Chrysanthi and myself demonstrated in this paper was that the press have stopped just reporting on what's happening and they have become what we called an actor in the drama. So two newspapers, the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail, 
decided to join the campaign to get GPs to see more patients face to face. And that happened over the summer in 2021. And we had them publishing articles congratulating themselves uh, when the when Sajid Javid's letter came out in, uh, sorry, directive came out in October 2021. Um, and it, it was kind of weird because you could say that the newspapers are supposed to report the news, not make the news. But of course, um, we're in a situation now where, where the newspapers can and do actually lead political campaigns. And so this is getting a little bit sinister, I think. Um, and I guess what it means for general practice is, hey, come on, if this is the, if these are the rules of the game now, uh, we've also got to uh, team up with sympathetic members of the lay press and we've got to start fighting our corner. We've got to be proactive in uh, campaigning uh, and, and presenting our side of the story. I don't know if... I'm probably not alone in this, but I tend to stick to a section of the media that most would probably consider mostly left-leaning. So I feel pretty much shielded from a lot of this negative reporting in the press. But as you point out, the negative media can impact on patient perspectives, but also policy. So what do you think the impacts were on patients as well as the general policy, as you say, newspapers acting as an actor as well? Well, it's hard to tell because we didn't actually systematically look at what was happening to patients in this study. We are doing that now, actually. Um, I think mostly patients' concerns are that it is difficult to get an appointment to see a GP, and it's particularly difficult to get an appointment to see one face-to-face. -face. And we all know that, and it's that's our day-to-day experience. That's not something we need to be told. The bit that's uh, troubling is that with the negative um, press coverage is that that is depicted as our fault, uh, whereas actually the fault is the system. Um, there aren't enough skilled clinicians in primary care. And what's more, because of the hostile environment, more and more uh, GPs are leaving, more and more trainees are not sticking in general practice. And so it's becoming worse and worse. Uh, and we do need to keep the, the narrative going that this is a system at breaking point. Uh, and that is why patients are having trouble getting to see their GP. I think it's also worth pushing the narrative that, that GPs and their staff are working incredibly hard to try and make sure that patients don't suffer. And that story is not being covered. A lot of what you've shown in this research is that there is a polarization in the media. How do we get these two sides of the debate if we want to, again, follow on with this polarization, dichotomous kind of thinking? How do we get the two sides to talk to each other? How can GPs and how do we break through to that section of the media? Yeah, it's a great question um, because actually that's what's happening in general, not just in the lay press, but also in relation to science. And, and uh, in, in a different part of my life, I've been doing a lot of work uh, in the pandemic uh, around transmission of SARS-CoV-2, for example. And what you've got there is a massive polarization, which has political overtones um, with one group of scientists and, and policymakers and journalists absolutely sure that this, this um, disease spreads in one way and another group saying, no, 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 it's, it's spread in this way. 
and how to bring them together uh, is a very, very difficult question. But unless we do get dialogue between the two, if you like, sides in the polarity, then we're going to be at deadlock. I suppose one other thing in the newspapers which we found and, and which we greatly sympathise with is that the uh, difficulties getting to see a GP are not evenly distributed uh, across the population. You're more likely to have trouble if you are, for example, very elderly, if you are not adept at managing sort of online booking systems, if you have low health literacy, if you are a limited English speaker. And the press, I think, quite rightly picked that up. And, for example, they report interviews with um people who say, I did this on behalf of my elderly mother, and it was only because I was able to go in there and use my smartphone that I managed to get the appointment. And I feel very strongly about this. I have a brother with learning difficulties myself, and I have to do his uh, GP booking because it's now no longer possible for him to walk into the surgery and say, I'd like to see the doctor. Uh, and I think that is something that I know GP practices are trying to address. We're doing a research study at the moment called Remote by Default 2, and we're following 11 general practices uh, over two years as they try and square this circle. And every single one of them is struggling with how do we make sure that the disadvantaged and the, the, the less articulate are uh, still able to get the care that they need. And as you mentioned, the changes that happened in the NHS and in general practice came through almost overnight so quickly that yeah. I feel like a lot of practices and the system is still trying to catch up. Absolutely. We're, we're no, nowhere near at steady state. But I think the other thing that's happening is that the rest of the NHS is also under unprecedented stress. And we've got things like task shifting from secondary care. Uh, and so general practice, which used to absorb all that and just sort of pick up all these extra tasks, just can't do that anymore. Just can you summarise any of the implications for jobbing GPs? Um, is there anything that we can be doing on the ground to try to change media depictions? You've talked a bit about maybe trying to change the narrative, but how do we, how do we put that into practice? That's a, it's a really interesting question. I, I think one of the ways we might do it, as I've said, is to actually make friends with some journalists who are sympathetic and to have them depict a day in the life of the average GP. And it's not just GPs, of course. The advanced nurse practitioners are also under huge stress uh, and working really very long hours. And so I think to actually give a bit of depth and detail about what happens um, I think another thing that could be conveyed uh, in, to the lay public is what GPs do when they're not actually seeing patients. Because the idea that we immediately down tools and get onto the golf course is just not true. There's a huge amount of work behind the scenes, back office work, uh, data work, you know, the kind of thing, um, which are part of care. They are part of clinical care uh, and patients benefit from those uh, things that GPs do, rather like uh, the idea that the school teacher doesn't knock off at three o'clock when the kids come out uh, and get picked up. You know, the teachers have to prepare lessons and, and, and do that kind of thing. Uh, and I think we do need to convey those things um, to the public. 
I think you're right. I think there is a hidden burden of work that isn't acknowledged, perhaps more widely. Very much so. so. Okay. Very much so. Um, so, can you just summarise for me some of the main findings from your research? Uh, the main findings from the research are that in mid 2021, uh, just before we were opening up after the pandemic, there was a push towards encouraging GPs to see patients face to face. And that was covered uh, by the newspapers. And in October 2021, there was uh, a strong directive from the government to see patients face to face unless there was a good reason not to. In general, the media covered this in terms of lazy GPs who really didn't want to see patients properly. Uh, and two newspapers in particular were spearheading a campaign to force GPs to see patients face to face. Uh, and those negative de depictions of GPs and their staff uh, contributed to a wider negative feeling uh, towards general practice. And the system aspects, the workload aspects, the uh, staffing aspects, which of course are at the root of this problem, were not covered. And I think that's a great note to end on. So all that remains is for me to say thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it, subscribe in all the usual places from your podcaster of choice. And one last thing to mention, the BJGP Research Conference returns on Friday the 31st of March 2023. The conference is going to bring together UK and international general practice research and will have some great opportunities for networking. The abstract submission site is up and running, so if you'd like to present your work or attend then please do visit the website, which is bjgp.org forward slash conference for more information. Thanks again for listening. Mm -hmm.